Welcome to the MHG Podcast. I'm your host, Stu, and joining me today, well, he's not used to me doing this, but oh, he likes the way I work it. So if he lets me, I want to flip reverse it. How are you doing, Brad? Oh! <laughs> um, I'm broken. Uh, <laughs> that totally threw me. That, that, oh, Jesus Christ, that has really thrown me. Um, yeah, I'm Brad. You I are can't Brad. even remember what my intro was going to be now, so yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> See, don't half throw you off sometimes. <laughs> oh, is that what I sound like? Is that what I do to everyone when I start talking? I just really throw them off. Nah, just the beginning of the podcast, mate. That's it. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. So, how are we? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, no, not too bad. I, apart from, like, you know, deciding to throw a spanner in the works and mix stuff up, everything's been uh, pretty good. So, yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, uh, personally, all, all good at the moment. Uh, I had a bit of a, uh, I spoke to you, obviously, off air, I've had a bit of an eye bleed, uh, which isn't great. It's not as good as bad as it could have done. Uh, I was very careful, but it means any guilt, I was feeling when I have good days in terms of going, ah, oh, should I not, maybe I shouldn't be claiming picks. I've had like a couple of days where I can sort of see, yeah, that guilt's gone because it goes back. And I went, oh, this isn't good. Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah, these things are there for a reason. And the thing is as well, if you if you weren't doing that and didn't have the pip and you were trying to get along as, yeah, quote unquote, normal, yeah. you'd probably cause yourself so many problems that yes. you'd be, you know, yeah, it'd be even worse. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what you don't always need sight for, though? What's that? Video games. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. One. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's not the worst, but, you know, it's. I've had better segues. Yeah, yeah. It's average on the Bradometer, definitely. Now, I know you've not been playing much at the moment, Stu, because you've been, you've been busy with work and getting into your new role and everything. So... I've had time on my hands, so I've been playing a few bits. So I'm going to start off. Please do. And the first one, it's not going to be much because it's a game we've covered on the podcast before, but it's just got a Switch port. Um, And I think I said around the time of the PC release of this game that it would be something that's ideal on the Switch because it's got multiple endings to it. And that's Ashwalkers. Sweet. Now, for anyone who doesn't know... What you've got with Ash Walkers, it's a survival post-apocalyptic narrative adventure uh, where you sort of like, you kind of go on a path and your story unravels and you've got all these different endings that come to it. It's sort of roguelike, but it's not a roguelike. You just start again. I suppose it's a bit like Road 96 in a way where you can start again, you go through it, different things, and you get different endings. I thought it was a really, really good game on the whole. Um, it had a couple of flaws, uh, but overall, it, it, it had that post-apocalyptic feel down to a T. But I felt with that, even though there was multiple endings, playing it on the PC, I was one and done with it. it was, I didn't fancy sitting down at the PC again and playing it. So it's recent release, recently released on the Nintendo Switch, and... A couple of performance issues aside, which if this was a fast-paced action game might cause an issue, it's it's slow and methodical, that's the nature of the game. A couple of bits of stuttering here and there that I noticed, but didn't ruin the game. I'm feeling that I want to play for it more than one, because I can stick it on for half an hour and go through a little bit, just while you know, I'm waiting for something, or or we're watching a bit of TV, or listening to a podcast, or, or something like that, such as the MHG podcast. And yeah, it's just it's just a good solid game, and I think I've found another. I've gone through it another couple of times. I've covered another couple of endings, and it is got from what I remember on the first playthrough on the PC. It does have good variation to it. My main fear with Ash Walkers was that it would be very samey. Um, and whilst the mechanics mechanics are the same, it does actually develop in different ways. So for people who do like a narrative game that you do get multiple endings you're not going to get bored quickly whether there's 30 different paths or not i don't know to cover the 30 endings i doubt it but there's enough variation that you know the choices you do make they claim matter and so far they have so yeah it's it's a worthwhile addition on the switch whether you've got it on pc or not nice yeah yeah i think you know, more and more like every week we're ending up saying about things that are suited for handheld and yeah 
it really is like that, especially with repeat stuff. So I've been playing, and I mentioned it in the episode that we recorded separately, I've been playing the Ninja Saviors on the Switch. And, yes. you know, that's like a, a like an arcade beat him up and like a full run through is it's still probably like an hour to get through the full game but you can you drop in do a level do you know brilliantly and pull off some amazing moves or be absolute cack-handed like i am and you know just have to restart and that's 20 minutes of playtime. and then you can get to the end of that and go right i'm gonna do another run this time i'm gonna try and lose fewer lives great stuff Ash Walkers, multiple endings. You might not want to go upstairs or into the other room and fire up the PC and go, all oh, right, okay, get it all So You might want to just stick it on for like, oh, I can just quickly have a go through this, see if it catches my attention. And I think that's a lot of it with me. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to go off into a separate room and play a game like I am with you know, Horizon Forbidden West, I'm like, yeah, I'm putting an hour on this at least. Yeah. But there's, there's a load of stuff that I'm just like, oh, I don't really fancy it, but if I stick it on, I might start enjoying it and it might be the right time for it. And yeah, just that access to it so quickly, I think is really important with a lot of games. Yeah, you've nailed it. You know, the Horizon games, the Resident Evil games, you know, Metal Gear Solid, you know, some of those really big, expensive games. Or if you want to play, I don't know, like, BNG, you know, the uh, Wipeout clone and stuff like that. You want a bigger screen to play those on because that's what they're designed for. They're designed to be those sort of experiences. But there's other games where just that bit more personal where you just want to pick up and play for a little bit that you can't do at a PC all the time. It's why I'm a big proponent on on cross-progression and cross-save, which we'll probably come to next week, by the way, with another game code I've been given this week. I won't... Uh, I will. It's WRC10 for the Switch. Ah. I've been playing that on the PC. Got it on the Switch. Not booted it yet. Is there going to be cross-save? I don't know. Yeah. So we'll find out next week. But yeah, no, it's, it's a great... You know, Ash Walkers is one of those. It fits the handheld really well. It fits the... Uh, the big screen really well uh there is no cross save which is a shame and again it's got to be something that, that that's put in uh just to cover on the accessibility point of view it needs accessibility options because it is quite bright i do sh- i did struggle and uh, i was able i could make adjustments on the pc with some sort of various like screen filters and, and stuff like that that you could that you could do for stuff and turn it down the brightness on the PC as well as the screen you could do it. you can't really do that on the Switch. There's not enough there. So again, more inbuilt accessibility options are definitely worth it. From an ADHD point of view, by the time I finished one story, I forgot what I did at the start, so it's like a fresh game for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, in terms of accessibility that is it's getting more and more important and our yeah i always like to call out good examples and and for forbidden west i think i mentioned it when we did the the big sort of chat on it yeah it has amazing accessibility options i i haven't specifically gone in to see if there are colorblind settings the the there are three main colorblind uh, types i believe and some games now have you can choose that option but other than that i think it's got absolutely everything covered in terms of uh, subtitles the size of them frequency you know the difficulty of the game but right down to hood elements and you know different enemy you know power and potential you can just basically tweak it under the hood like you could like you could like what you've always been able to with pc but you had to be an enthusiast yeah they've actually brought that forward into the the actual menu options and it, it's just absolutely fantastic and the way it needs to be yeah, 100%. And on, on that subject, actually, while we're on it, just a little bit of house cleaning, public service announcement. At the end of all my written articles now, and not to actually include it in the actual game article itself, I'm actually putting a summary of that particular game's accessibility options as it compares to me. I, I don't feel I can write on options for people who are hard of hearing or people who have mobility problems or anything like that because I can't I don't have those issues myself I can only talk from a visual impairment and ADHD point of view so that's what I will cover if anyone listening or anyone knows anyone who's listening wants to cover specific accessibility options with games do get in touch 
we will we'll cover them. We'll give you the platform to do so. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. We certainly would. And yeah, yeah, it's something games need. You know, if you get like comparing it to like other mediums, there aren't very many, particularly not in the kind of play space where it's kind of, it's fully audio, visual and manual at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, each one requires synthesis. It has to all be linked together and working well. And it's comparatively easy to sort out. You know, it's not that difficult to to do by thinking of it from the beginning of your your creation of the game. Yeah. Of like, I I just expose all of these options, you know, I just expose them to the user. And and if if you build that into your process... Yeah then they they can do it right from scratch. But no, I think it's great that you, you're putting that in the reviews and stuff. That's really yeah. excellent. And I saw, just just to cover one last point on, on, on this, is I, I can't remember which who it was, but it was somebody's prominent on Twitter who has a disability. What they basically said is, look, what we're asking for, we're not asking for you to build your game around disability. No one's asking for that. What we're asking for is for you to actually consider what you can do to help disabled gamers at the beginning of the process. So you do not have to try and then add it later and potentially break something. So for a visual impairment, it could be, right, how can we do text? What can we do with text to make that so someone visual could, could um, like with visual impairment could do it? Can we add basic voiceovers? Can we do text like font size increases? And then when we build our game, we go, right, okay, instead of having minute speech bubbles, maybe we actually have the option for text dialogue boxes instead, where the size can be changed and the background can be changed. You build that in at the start, you haven't then got to try and patch it in and break something. Yeah. So make those considerations at the start. That's all disabled gamers are asking for. We don't expect every game to be suited for every single person, but more games to be suited for more people. Yeah. That, that's absolutely right yeah yeah without a shadow of a doubt and the earlier you start in the process and think thinking of it in your your thought process and development the, the more easy it's going to be for you yeah. yes so mr anderson <laughs> i believe you've got something that you want to talk about yeah well i <laughs> funnily enough i was going to have a game to talk about because uh, i was going to talk about uh, marvel's guardians of the galaxy which has not long come out on game pass so I went to play it this morning because I yeah my time's been difficult and every little free bit of gaming time I've been sticking on Forbidden West and it's yeah we're up to like forty hours on that now or something crazy and that's just what you've been talking about it for uh, yeah yeah that's just me <laughs> ranting on about it I, I have to though somebody has yeah. to because everyone else is ranting on about Elden Ring there yes. has to be a safe space on the airwaves where somebody actually still speaks about Horizon um, but. So what I did was I, I stuck on my PC this morning after I'd been out for a walk to play Guardians of the Galaxy. And not only did I have a weird problem with my PC that took 15 minutes to sort out, then there's like 15 minutes of intro of the game uh, where you're... It's a little bit like Life is Strange where you're just wandering around a room looking at particular objects, which is fine if you've got time, but it's kind of like a buggeration, you know what I mean? I have not got time for this. So that consumed all my time and I couldn't do it. But on the flip side, I've been like so invested in sorting certain stuff out from a retro side of things that I've got a a big topic, which is the Neo Geo AES, which I've rebought after 20 years, I think, nearly. I got one in, I think it was two thousand. It was either 2003 or four. I think it might have even been... 2002 god knows but um you know 2003 so you're nearly 20 years yeah i saw like an advert in the back of i think it was cvg at a time where they were selling off stock at i was somewhere like raven games it was somewhere in like you know top the top court road or charing cross that sort of area where there were loads of you know import companies and stuff that sprung yeah. up in the in the in the late 80s early 90s and they were selling them off, and it was like 175 quid for an AES with a stick and a memory card and an unboxed game. And I was just like, I just like phoned up my mate Mike and went, Look, just do it, jump on it. And we both did, and uh, we both got them. And over the years, probably only over the course of about two or three, 
I ended up buying some of the like the biggest games. So I got like Metal Slug Three. I had Garou Mark of the Wolves. I had Pulstar Viewpoint. I had King of Fighters. Want to say oh, I had a few of them, but I had Night Seven, which is probably the best. And yeah, I, I amassed this pretty decent collection of about 12, 14 games. Uh, and it was like buying one every few months. And they were about somewhere between, uh, well, most of the time it was about 100 quid. Uh, yeah. And then there would be the odd one that was about, you know, 200 or 250. And the most I paid was about 320 for Guru. Which now all of those are worth like, literally thousands of pounds. Uh, but no wonder but, you are the podcast called Mental Health. Mental oh Health? God, Mental God. Health Gaming. If you're spending that much on a game. Exactly. That's crazy. So, yeah, no, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> I don't want. I would never. I mean, I would spend 300 quid on a game. You know, I, I would do that. <laughs> so, I'm hoping they'll sat there listening, looking at you to go, no, you bloody won't. <laughs> <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's 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 cool. She's cool. <laughs> Our rule is basically as long as our hobbies don't bankrupt us, then we're we're totally all right to just go with it. <laughs> yeah, you've not got kids, so it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, th- three hundred I would do like once every five years or something like yeah. that. If a, you know, if it was something I absolutely loved. Yeah, but you know, I would never spend thousands. Pointless. Anyway, so I managed to get one from Japan, cheapish. And I have bought a Neo SD cartridge, which is like all the ones I've been buying recently that are really cheap. This is not cheap, but <laughs> it's one of those that just plays every single game. But because of the technology in the cartridges, it, it's not easy to produce them. So they're still very bespoke, very expensive things. Yeah. But you're one and done. You buy the one and that's it. You've got every single game ever and you'll never need to buy another one again unless you, you know, your dog chews its pieces or whatever. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you know. You want me to ramble on about it because I could go on about the AES for ages. But just moving on to the the games quickly, you know, obviously having access to all of them again is just fantastic, and a load that I hadn't before. And playing them on the original system just makes you realise how much of the arcade experience at home it it was and kind of still is. It's like a snapshot of that time. Yeah, I see. I've got a question then. I've got a question. go for it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I've never owned a Neo Geo itself. I've had a Neo Geo Pocket and a Neo Geo Pocket Color. Both are amazing. Now, pound for pound, what has the better library, complete library out of the Dreamcast and the Neo Geo? Because they are both hit after hit after hit on their system, and, but nothing else. Wow. That's a really difficult question. Mm. I mean, it's 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 either incredibly easy or incredibly difficult <laughs> because the thing is with the dreamcast it had all of its back catalog plundered by the ps2 really really quickly yeah you know after about a year when they realized it was going down the toilet and there are so few now like games on it that are still exclusive yeah whereas there are still lots of exclusive games for the Neo Geo. Obviously, you know, you can get ROM versions on every store going, including, like, your bloody Android device kind of thing. But they're not kind of ports. Well, I mean, sometimes they are. But, you know, they're essentially the Neo Geo games stuck on a different console. Yeah. Um, Even so, saying that, there are a lot of Neo Geo games that are kind of also ran fighting games. Yeah. That are not that great or they're just average and a lot of entries in the series, some of them which are a bit superfluous. So if you take the top 10 of both games, both systems, sorry, and their exclusives, that's where it becomes really tough. And so I suppose one thing to do is turn the question on its head and say, out of the ones you've played, what are your favourite Neo Geo games? They don't even have to have been on the original. They can be on the the Neo Geo Pocket Color as well, if you want. You know, what what are they? Oh, so Metal Slug. Yeah. Um, the Puzzle Bobble games. Uh, oh, lovely. King of the Fighters and Card Fighters Clash, I would say. Yeah. Probably my real standouts. But I also know there's a ton that I can't quite remember if they were Neo Geo exclusive. I mean, I forgot, like, Garou Mark of the Wolves was. I always thought that was, like, something else as well, or arcade exclusive. So, but 
Yeah, see, for me, it is Dreamcast because I find myself loving like Crazy Taxi Daytona because they were just pure pick up and play. Whereas I found the Neo Geo to be a bit specialist yeah. for me at the time. But I look back at the catalogue and I've played them since and, oh, there's some bangers on there. You just look at it and just go, Neo Geo, that's a Neo Geo game. That's a Neo Geo yeah. game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. I, it's very hard to split because they both catered for different eras of arcade so, so well. Yeah. Yes. And of course, there's more depth to the games on the Dreamcast, you know, yeah. if you're taking its its absolute apex pinnacle stuff. Out of the top ten, I think I would probably go Dreamcast as well. Yeah. Because it's still got the best version of uh, it's still got the best version of like Daytona and Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio. You know, they're they're still the best versions of those games as well. And they're on yeah. the Dreamcast. Yes, they are. And, you know, if it hadn't got all of its unique things pillaged you were talking you know like those ones that you just mentioned you're talking res you know you're talking like Christ, yeah. sonic adventure 2 which not brilliant but you know it, it was dedicated to it for a time and you know you got samba Demigo and just all sorts of really strange and quirky and unusual stuff whereas the neo geo ones tended to be not unusual but were often best in class yeah which is great but it's not like okay i'm going to a desert island i want something that can give me this broad range of stuff that will what stuff you know it's arcadey but also rpgs and blah 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 and there's just something beautiful about the dreamcast it's hard to hard to to bin off but um yeah i mean it has not the the, the widest array of genres on the neo geo but when you look at like the top 10 you would want to have played them you know yeah. you definitely would have wanted to have played them yeah so i was thinking like this is what i'm thinking do you know we had this little thing where all the minis were coming out like the mini consoles and everything yeah i want sega actually to make a bespoke let's call it a dream gear that is a handheld yeah. dreamcast with just their own ip just built from the ground like build that ground up to run their own ip that was on the dreamcast in a handheld yeah i would yeah. buy the crap out of that <laughs> i know yeah it'd be a really good idea and also what have you got you've got the gamepad already has a built-in little window in it so you could do a variation on the official dreamcast pad that had a proper display in it 16.9 display oh quality a nice quality of life update on the pad obviously precisely but precisely yeah yeah i think that would be great and then of course they could you know have room for you to stick all the games on there and that's maybe why, even produce new games and, that's why yeah. i said the dream gear that's why you call it the dream gear because then yeah. you can throw old game gear games on there down the line then you can get all your mega drive ports your master system ports maybe yep. maybe a couple of naomi games on there that didn't quite make it to the dreamcast you know it's all there exactly good point yeah you got your atomis wave you got your naomi you got some of your Lindbergh stuff Chuck all that on there. Sorry, I'm a bit of an arcade geek. But yeah, yeah you could get all that on there. Absolutely laughing. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I'd do it. I mean, how this is turned into a Dreamcast fan fiction again, I don't know. No, but uh, sometimes it just naturally goes that way. Yeah. Fifty Shades <laughs> but, of Grey Dreamcast. Yeah. Yeah. But swing it back towards the Neo Geo just for, <laughs> for to round it off. <laughs> I would say, like, if you're talking about if you want to investigate some of the games, I'd say, obviously, go for Garou Marco Wolves, which is a Fatal Fury game, basically. It was, you know, Garou Densetsu is the, the original name of, of Fatal Fury. So play that. Superb. Uh, Shock Troopers, better than the second game. Only came out on MVS originally, but if you're getting ROMs, which is what you're probably going to be doing, get the first one. It's the better one. Magician Lord is a good laugh. I would say Blue's Journey is okay as a as a platformer. Top Hunter, which is also a sort of Metal Sluggy type one. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a really good game. Yes. Uh, it yeah. goes under the radar a bit, that one. It does. It does. Obviously, Metal Slug and the whole Metal Slug series, although it's it sort of, I'd say, you know, one and three are my favourites, but people have their own. Any of them are great. And... You know, Windjammers, which we talked about not long ago. The sequel just came out. That's a cracking game. I've just got and that on the Vita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really good on the Vita. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. forgot how good the original good. was. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, all of those. Viewpoint, Pulsar, Blazing Star, Ghost Pirates. There's all sorts of great stuff to, to have a look at. Just um, pick one from each arcade genre and give it a go. Yes, definitely. Oh, the old days, eh? <laughs> yeah. I don't, honestly, I think we're in the best... If, whenever anyone says what's the best age the best period of time for games i'm just like now it's right now because you can play it all you can play everything yeah nothing you i mean yes some broken roms on old arcade games but there's pretty much nothing if you want to you can't play yeah and there's so many things like there's that abris demo that that, um you know is puzzly absolutely stunningly beautiful i'm like it's not a game for me but i'm so glad it exists and then there's like on the other end of the spectrum, there's like the record of Lodos War Metroidvania that came out that I've not even had a chance to stick on. Yep. There's Guardians of the Galaxy, which I wouldn't have bought full price, but is on Game Pass. You know, it's just like everywhere I turn, there's amazing stuff and I'm, and I'm obsessed with Forbidden West. So I'm just like, I can't think of a time when there was that much stuff just flinging itself at my face, apart from that one time with your mum, obviously. <laughs> yes, we've got a your mum joke in there. <laughs> But all we need now is Jules from What Culture to go, that's my one per list. Yeah, he stopped doing that now, though, which is fair enough. But Yeah, that, that is, uh, yeah. But he's good. He kind of, I mean, he done it and it was funny because it was, it was tiny cheeky, but I think he realised that with the way the world was going or the way you had the Me Too movement, he kind of went, maybe I shouldn't, and he stopped yeah. it at the right time. Um, especially right. he's big on mental health as well. Um, I love yeah. his round. I love his the way he finishes all his videos. Um, yeah, he does that, doesn't he? Yeah, top guy, really top guy. I might try to can get him on the show one day. Why not? And put yeah, us to shame. Um, he's yeah. a good host as well. <laughs> he's got he's got something about him. He's infinitely listenable. He is. Yeah, him and Adam Cleary are my favourite ones from there. Yes. Right. Moving on. Before we do too much of uh, promoting the other the other people. Um, I've been playing another post-apocalyptic game. Now, in post-apocalyptic worlds, you can either trundle along and try and survive, as you do, like in Ash Walkers, or, you know, your metros and, and things like that. What's the other thing you can really do post-apocalyptic? You can always farm. Yeah. They love a farming. They love farming in post-apocalyptic worlds. And so I've been playing a game. It's been in early access since uh, 2020. It's a game called No Place Like Home. Uh, from the excellently named developer Chicken Launcher. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Good name for uh, uh, game company names are weird, but anyway. Uh, basically, what you've got here is I don't want to say a three D Stardew Valley because it's not, but there is some Stardew Valley esque elements in there. It's still in early access. This uh, is in no place like home, and I've been playing it. Basically, it's a crafting post-apocalyptic survival farming sim with RPG elements. So you go out, you explore the environment around you, you, you find items as you're out and about, and you craft, you use that to help build your farm up, and you try and survive and restore everything around you. So you try to make your farm better to try and sort of like improve the world around you. You can kind of go at your own pace. There's this kind of, in the background, unsettledness. Unsettledness? Everything going on that suggests to a wider issue. But it doesn't sort of impact on you, or at least what I've played so far. Which makes you kind of like enjoy the game, but also be a bit wary of what, what could happen in the future. Yeah. But yeah, you go through long journeys and pick stuff up. And you've got to go like you might go to somewhere and it's like really cold and really icy. You've got to consider what you like there. And then there's there's like there are some enemies, uh, nothing that really causes an issue. There's lots of chickens and cows and, and things like that that's going on. And any any chicken launchers though? Uh, not that I've seen. Oh, but maybe that will come. Maybe that'd be great if that's just the end game, just to build a chicken launch. It's just a, it's just a pure advertisement for the company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you could just sort of play the game through, and there is a sort of story mode and RPG elements, or you could just like relax. And it's like I don't know what to say about it. It's one of those. It's not. It, it's clunky in places. I'm not going to lie, but it's a clunkiness that gives it character. 
It's not a clunkiness that goes, oh, God, this is awkward. It gives it a character. It's kind of almost like early Bethesda games where you kind okay. of go, yeah, okay, you can get a bit, you get why. And it's cut, but it's not broken. It's very hard to explain what it is. Um, and it's because it's still in early access. I don't want to go, oh, yeah, this this will be this or anything. So this because you know, it's obviously still working on stuff. But, you know, there's lots of variation. All the different areas you go to feel like very different biomes, but feel naturally placed and things like that. But, yeah, it's just a really good 3D farming sim that's got, like I say, RPG elements. It's taken elements from Minecraft to a degree uh, with the crafting, but then gone like, but this is how we're going to do it. Just, but yeah, it's just an interesting, just a nice, interesting one to be able to play. It's only about 15 quid on Steam as well. It's a kind of, I'd say that's about the right price for this. Um, not perfect, but nowhere near bad. And I think if you like farming sims, you like post-apocalyptic quirkiness, then yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Hang on one sec. I'm just going to chuck the cat out. See, now Stu thinks that I'm going to talk at this part because I always talk at these parts, but I'm not going to talk. I'm actually going to be quiet because he'll be waiting for me to talk. So I'm going to stay quiet. And he's not going to know. He's going to go, what, is it broken? He's not going to know. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay quiet. I'm not going to talk through this bit. Honestly, it's going to be quiet. You'll be back in a minute anyway, so I'm not as if I can say much. All done. Sorry about that. That's all right. So I understand that you have jumped on the tunic bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> that cutesy Zelda-like game that I, I've had my eye on that for... Oh. Probably at least a year. Oh, it's been on my Steam list, and now it's on Game Pass, which is brilliant because I don't have to pay. So Shadow yeah. dropped. Shadow dropped onto Game yeah, Pass. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had this... Like, this is where I'm going to go full hipster. And this is why I love being part of the industry at times. I've had this for about two weeks. Nice. And it's code name. The game was originally named. I don't know if it's code name, but it came out to me called Secret Legend as well. Um, so I don't think it showed. If it showed now playing, it didn't show the actual like tunic as the thing. They've been. It's like it's like really sort of like kept it under wraps and strict embargo on it. And like most, when you get an embargo that's up at the time the game releases, you're kind of like going. Ooh. Is it gonna be any good? Is there? A, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, read my. I've got. There's a review on the site. Read it. So I know you had a question about about it. Um, I know others have mentioned because I've seen it mentioned with Death Store a lot. Because some people know, is it a rogue like 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 Death Store or is it? It's pure Zelda. And then I've seen other people ask, is it like it's like Zelda but Souls like? Gets a bit challenging in places, but if I could get through it, it's not that challenging. Um, it's it, it's it's fine in terms of challenge. Um, I had a couple of bits where I died a few times, but checkpoint is pretty good on it. It's yes, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It looks beautiful. The main character, the little fox thing in it, is beautiful. He's probably called Tunic. Um, I don't know why I said the little fox thing but he's just oh, I want a plush make a plush or a little wooden doll of him that I can put somewhere absolutely stunning um, and what the game does it encourages you to explore it's old school in the you discover the signpost and it doesn't tell you where to go or what to do it doesn't even tell you that you can upgrade weapons and stuff you kind of start you pick up a stick and that's your weapon and then, but you know, because you've played Zelda games, it's it's for a Zelda fans that right, okay, this is going to be upgraded at some point, but I'm going to have to unlock it because there's these three little bushy things here that I can't get through. I'm going to be able to get through those at some point to get to those stairs that I can see. But then it it hints at other little places. You kind of get to a point early on, and I put it down after the first thirty minutes because I just went, ah, oh, what have they done? I don't get this at all. So I left it and they went back to it a few days later with some trepidation, put it on and just hooked me in because I accidentally found a hidden path that wasn't as hidden as I first thought. And it just 
these little subtle clues to things that it does. Not, you can't even say, to, oh, there's this subtle clue. It's just so subconsciously done that you go, right, okay, I can't go that way because I keep dying that way. So I'm gonna, I've am gonna, i got to brute force it this way because maybe I've got to go this way because this signpost is in English. This signpost is in whatever the language they've written is. So I'm, I'm clearly not meant to go that way, but this one's in English, so I've got to go this way, but I can't go this way, but Maybe I'm missing something because I found a hidden path over there. So there's got to be a way through it here. And you kind of unravel it. And then you kind of remember those little tricks you found as you go further and further. And the difficult enemies get easier and easier. And, you you know, you've got the souls like unlocking like shortcuts and, and, and stuff like that. that You also get in like those classic Zelda games. And, oh, it's just brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. And it's my favourite game of the year so far. Whoa, Nice. Yeah, no, it sounds really cool. One question: Does it have a stamina bar like the Souls games? It right, so it has a stamina bar, but you can turn it off. Oh, can you? Yes. Oh, right. So you can do you can commit your moves as many times as you want if you turn it off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be honest, even when I had the stamina bar on, because I wanted to play it in its purest form as the developers intended, etc., etc., I never found the stamina bar getting in the way. All it meant was that I couldn't button mash, which I think is a really, they've done it in a really clever way. So the stamina bar means you can't button mash your way through. It's telling you, you've got to look at your enemy patterns and how they're attacking rather than just going hell for leather through it, which is really, really good. But what they've done is some people, obviously from an accessibility point of view, and this is where I suppose the mobility issues comes into it, cannot time things correctly or might need to button bash their way through and you can switch that off which is brilliant and there's also a no penalty like sort of no foul mode so you can't foul anything so it doesn't like reset or, or, or send you back to the start or anything like that it's not a roguelike in any way shape or form but if you want to turn it so there's no failure to it there's that option as well yeah it's I, honestly i cannot recommend this game enough well, I'm sold. Ah, oh, that's really cool. So I, I'll try it both ways and see which one works for me. But that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And um, is there? There's no Switch release at no. planned at the moment, is there? Nope. To, yeah. PC so, and Xbox. Uh, mm. Now we know Microsoft are in bed with Nintendo on certain things, so maybe down the line. But honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure the Switch could handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, when you look at what they've done with, not Link to the Past, was it Link to the Past? What was the one they released on the Switch? What, Breath of the Wild? No, the other Zelda one. Uh, the remake of the Game Boy oh, one. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, or- Oracle of... No, no, oh, no. no. Link to the whatever. Whatever. The, what, what was the Game Boy one? I forgot what it's called. Yeah, um, That looks spectacular. So maybe... I don't... I, I, I don't... This is the purest Zelda game since... Those classic Zelda games. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. So, I mean, I might I might give it a quick go and then leave it for Steam Deck, but the, the amount of things I'm leaving for Steam Deck is just piling <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, no, it's, it's so good. It's so good. So good. I said, I, was gonna, I, I told myself I was going to spend no more than a couple of minutes on it, but it's so good. <laughs> All right, well, I'll drag you kicking and screaming away from that topic then. So what else have you been playing? So, I've got two genres that are my absolute favourite. Puzzle games, obviously my top genre. My other favourite genre is FMV games. I I, you, I could spend hours waxing lyrical about what Sam Barlow's done with her story, Telling Lies, and the soon-to-be-released Immortality, which just looks spectacular. But there's a company out there that has turned FMV games into their speciality, and that's Wales Interactive. Yeah. And they've just brought out a game called Who Pressed Mute on Uncle Marcus. Now, unfortunately for you, Stu, it's not Who Pressed Mute on Brad. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna continue talking. Now, you can edit something in there. You can press mute on me. I, I could go on talking and this whole bit could be muted out if you wanted to. I don't know. Whatever you want. I'm not maybe spoilers. Who knows? Hey, eh? Whatever you want to do. Sounds um, like a plan. Yeah. But anyway, Who Pressed Mute on Uncle Marcus, which... The Wales Interactive games, uh, when you go back through their uh, their catalogue, have been fairly 
old school in their telling. So in terms of you've got an interactive movie, you get moments where semi-pauses where you can make a decision and then it carries on in a certain certain way. Or you've got the sort of like, wasn't them, but like Contradiction Spot the Lie, which was a game which had FMV moments in. It worked really well, hammy as hell, and it, I recommend that to anyone, Contradiction Spot the Liar. Um, so, you know, if you go back through, you've got like the Bunker, Late Shift, there's... Uh, you've got Headspun, which was a kind of FMV, animated, hybrid type thing, the complex, made, made of skur. Um, recent release like five dates nightbook which i spoke about a little while ago now the reason i will get through to nightbook is nightbook takes a lot more from what sam barlow does where it says right instead of just going fmv movie what's popular at the moment you know what what's big and it's the whole idea of we're all stuck inside and we're using zoom or like you like know, skype type things more regularly to do video calls and nightbook used that what you've kind of got with um, Who Pressed Mute on Uncle Marcus, it takes more from Nightbook than it does, like, the, the, the older style of stuff. And takes a lot of cues from uh, telling lies, I would say, as well. Um, and what you've essentially got here is what if Knives Out, the film, but they was all stuck on a Zoom call? All right. Um, so, like, the story of it basically goes, Uncle Marcus is, has been poisoned um, at a family gathering, and he, he calls you up just as you're about to go, you, like, you're trying to avoid doing a family quiz on, on, on Zoom or, or whatever the equivalent is in the game, and he calls you up and goes, oh, I need you to do, I need you to go to this quiz because I need you to investigate a murder. And she's like, oh, who's murder? And he goes, mine. It's like, okay, I've been poisoned. Doctor says I've only got hours to live. So dramatic, dramatic, dramatic. And then you've got to join in this family quiz of a bunch of risable characters. You know, they're all vile human beings a lot. Um, <laughs> and you've kind of like you kind of got to interact with a um, do the quiz, get them to do quiz. You like you team up with different ones. You've got to piece together all the information and then make an accusation as to who the murderer is. And, but it comes together really well. As I said, if you see the film Knives Out, it's kind of like that in terms of there's investigation, 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 it then unravels. Or it's, you know, Cluedo for a modern age um, is the only other way I could put it. But it works really, really, really well. The acting is that right balance of done well, but also hammed up but not to the point where it's laughable. You kind of go, like, the actors here are putting everything into this to make it entertaining, but they've not gone over the top with it. And yeah, it just, it, it works really, really, really well. And I say, I love these games. I absolutely love these games. And yeah, they're all, you know, it's got some of the more well-known actors from sort of like other FMV games. So you've got like, um, there's Georgia Small, who was in Five Dates, which is a recently released one, and Al Weaver from The Complex are in it. But it's also got... You've seen... Have you seen The American Office? I have, yeah. Some of it. So it's got it's got Andy Buckley in it, who... He plays Uncle Marcus in this, and he was... If I remember correctly, he was, like, Steve Carell's boss in one of the seasons. Mm, yeah, no, I don't know that one. But <laughs> fair enough. You, when you see his face, it'll click. Because I looked at yeah. it and just went, I recognise him. And then I looked him up and went, of course it is. So, yeah, it's got a decent cast in it, which I, I really, really like. And, yeah, it's it's just a good, solid game. A few hours to complete. You're not going to complete it more than once, but these games aren't designed for that. You might do it again. Like, do you know, sometimes you watch a film and they go, Do you know what? I fancy that film again in a few years. It's kind of got that feeling to it. I might go back to it in two, three years just to give it another go, like I've done with like the complex and the bunker before. But, oh, it's yeah. we're, we're into a, a new dawn with FMV. We're not on Mad Dog McCree anymore or, or um, Night Trap or anything like that. And they have really moved on. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I get. Mentioned before, uh, not really a fan, but I I can see the appeal. I yeah. can see the appeal. Yeah, 
um, especially if they're well acted. Yeah, they've either got to be well acted or completely happy. I mean, the performances. I mean, if you stick Rupert Booth in an FMV game, I'm sold. Okay, I'm absolutely sold. Yeah, you you've got me, and he's he's done a he's done a couple. He's not in, in Wales Interactive ones, but he's done a couple of other ones. Um, you know, I've got to say, like the madness of. Uh, the Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker is really good. Uh, but he's in another one recently, and I can't remember what it's called, and I've not played it yet, and I must remember to play it. But he's like the the he, he, he's the god of FMV games, is Rupert Booth. Cool. So have you finished that then? It all complete? Yes, it is. I've had that good. game for about three weeks. And every time I go, oh, I'm going to talk about it this week, I go, ah, bugger, embargo. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, well, no, that's good. Really good. <laughs> I feel like I was Mark Commode with how early I got access to this. Yeah, that's a long time. In yeah. Comparatively, yeah. And they made me shut up about it. They literally pressed mute on me, Joe. It's like they don't even know you. I know. That's crazy. Only you have that power. <laughs> and I abuse it frequently. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's it for games. So, while we've got a little bit of time, very quickly want to cover, again, just the state uh, of the world, but the moments of humanity and joy that are happening whilst whilst it all just goes to crap around us. And starting with, and again, I am so bad with names, I am so, so sorry, but Nazine, what's her full name? That's it. That's that's an Zagami Ratcliffe. Jesus, I was trying to get that right. Um, she's been released and she's come home and the videos and the photos and how she's got the most comforting smile of just it's just like just look at it and go, how are you so calm? How are you smiling so calmly to be released? It's she doesn't look a state. Um, which is what I would be if I was if I was released after sort of like that long and stuff like that. But she's been allowed yeah. home, but that that's beautiful to see. You see what Ukrainian families are, you know, are doing for each other. You know, you got um, there was footage going around of a little uh, Ukrainian girl singing a frozen sod in Ukrainian, and it's just beautiful to see. But also left me in tears because she was about the age of my daughter, and uh, my daughter does that. But this, this this young girl doing it in a bunker, essentially, is just horrible but beautiful to see. And one of the good things, to, well, not good things, but one of the positive things that I think comes out of war is how everyone suddenly becomes leftist. Yeah, it does. It does often <laughs> swing. Yeah. It's kind of like, and seeing like the reaction, the government has said no to people coming in. And, the, you know, as a country, we crashed servers going will sponsor a ukrainian to come in yeah you know again what i would say is could we do the same for afghanistanians for people from yemen syrians you know can we do that for them as well not just people with white skin because it doesn't make it more real because they're white as i've heard people say oh it's it's, no it's not because they're white it's because they're from europe Uh, it's still because you know, uh, let's do it for more people. Yeah. Let's just open ourselves up a bit more. Totally. Queen's moving out of Buckingham Palace. There's a few rooms there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure they'll give them over right away. <laughs> what uh, a way that would be for the Queen to go out, though. Oh, eh? right. Yeah. Just go, no, no, Charles, you don't need that many rooms. Your, your kids have moved out and moved to America and all that, innit? So, you know, let's give it to people who need it. Yeah, I think Andrew's moved into some kids' rooms, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's moved into the nursery. That's the one. Oh, dear. Uh, but I'd rather see refugees, not refugees, let's not call them refugees. I'd love to see people who have come to this country who need to get from where they are, human beings, given the rooms that need them, not the dirty pedo prince. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. But yeah, it's horrid what's going on uh, in the world. But it's honestly, I the moments of humanity, search them out. Search out moments of humanity because it does make you feel there is hope. Uh, and also to maintain, make housing free. I, I will always jump on that horse. Turn high streets, office buildings into free accommodation. Job done, did it. 
Yep, totally um, agree with you. Totally and, agree. And if anyone questions that in any way, just turn into a five-year-old child and just answer every objection they have with why. When they go, we can't afford that, go, why? Yep. Because it will cost too much money, but money's fake, in it? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Fake no. construct. Yep. Let's do some... Let's do some good in the world. Also, after this one's done, which will probably be for a while, can we then just have a break? Just a few months of just yeah. getting on with it. Yeah, where nothing completely hideous happens. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of downtime, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you kids don't know how good you got it. Well, no, they don't because they like my daughter's never known it good because she's only ever known the world in crap. Yeah, you know she, she understands social distancing at five, and it's like she shouldn't. Well, that's <laughs> good because most adults don't. <laughs> Based on me going to the shops. No, no, no. There, there is that, but you know now we are at a stage where my five-year-old daughter, half her life has been spent in turmoil around us, and it's that ridiculous. Yeah. And I know there's obviously there's other kids that are beginning to understand the world now, you know, two, three years old. That's all they've ever known, completely. I know, I know. Yet they somehow can turn it into fun and smile and be jubilant because we should all act like kids a bit more. Let's not grow up. Well, you and I haven't really, have we? So I don't know what I'm saying now. I've kind of gone, so I'm going to shut up. Yeah, I think that's, you know, (laughs) probably the right time. So that's good. No, no, five minutes ago was probably the right time. (laughs) That's why we've got editing software. And the mute button on Uncle Brad. Actually, that's what we should call the podcast. Yeah, who pressed mute on Uncle Brad? There you go. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So mute buttons aside, hopefully you'll have a good week to come. Follow all our content on all the socials. Join the Discord if you feel moved to. Lots of great discussion going on on there. Apart from that... Yeah, have a great week, and if you can, stay safe and stay sane. I should have done the outro.